I missed you, buddy. <laughs> Dude, I missed you too. Missed these times. Was that me or you? That was me. Let me mute that because that's going to be annoying. Did you hear it? I just heard like a. Yeah, let me make sure that's turned off. I just figured you were naked and the dick hit the table. <laughs> I've been more like a. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, since I got those titanium implants. <laughs> it's strong like bull, you know. <laughs> it is. Oh, crazy. Good times, good times. Do it in three, two, one. Well, welcome to the Entertainment Answer. I am Matt Mungle. Always excited to be with you, and always joining me for the podcast edition, Mr. Brian Kluger himself, Mr. 4K, Mr. High Def. Wherever he goes, he illuminates in 4K. I don't know if you've noticed that. If you ever met Brian in person, he, you're like he looks clearer than most people. It's because he is actually in 4D, 4K, for in 4D. You don't have to adjust your levels, folks. That is me. And oh my god, I'm so excited to be talking with you again. I know we took a little break from the show, and dude, I have to tell you, I was really touched by the overwhelming response from people asking when we're going to get the show back. It was has been crazy. That's that's so. awesome. And you say a little break? We took a long break, man. <laughs> it's been like three years. <laughs> Uh, who's counting? Who's counting? Uh, but yeah, I know there were at least, man, if I had to guess off the top of my head, there were probably two people that asked about the show. You being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I, every every other Thursday, I text Mac, what are we, have, what are we doing this? He's like, I know. Soon. So with, between you and that other guy, we decided to get the show back together. <laughs> and we're back together. The bass, the guitar, the drums, and the lead vocals. I know. Hello. Uh, so yeah, but you know, it's weird. It has, has, I guess it's been at least, it hasn't been three years. I think you exaggerate a tiny bit. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, it's been at least a year and a half. Yeah. Maybe two. No, it's, it's been, it's, it's been a while. Uh, it's, but I think you and I've always kept in touch. And I think that, I mean, even though we weren't doing the show, we were still in each other's thoughts and always thinking about these movies through our text chains and stuff. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, we always had a show going on in our heads the whole time. So the fact that nobody else heard it, well, that's nothing we can do about that. So, uh, yeah, and a lot has changed, man. I mean, I guess we should say before we get in this, how, how's married life? I mean, I was uh, honored to attend your wedding several months ago. So everything going good there, man? You loving it? I, I am loving it. You know, nothing has changed, really. You know, names have changed and stuff like that. You know, I'm known as like Brian Wolverine Superman Kluger now, but, you know. Right. <laughs> so, so you shortened it. Yeah, I, I shortened it. Uh, but no, yeah, Matt was there. It was a lot of fun to celebrate with you. And you got to be at a Jewish wedding, which was crazy. I know. It was my first one, man. And I got to tell you, uh, I don't know if I could go back to a normal wedding anymore. So <laughs> we, just... we, we did it upright. Did you, did you, ha- did you actually, actually have a, a, a cocktail or a drink at the wedding? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, good. Good. Uh, I did. In fact, to the point where they were like, "No more for you. No more for you." Oh, you were the one that got cut off. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the clock, and I like I got in right before Susan. Susan and I were in line, and I got the last drink of the night. They're like, "No, we got to shut it down now." 
And Susan was behind me. <laughs> she got turned away. I was like, sweet. That's great. And and uh, I have to ask, when you saw my groom's cake, what, what was your immediate reaction to it? You know, not only what did I think it was awesome, but I wasn't surprised. Uh, his groom's cake, if you know anything about Brian, he is really, really into wrestling in the WWE. And his cake just full on uh, explained that and uh, exploited that even <laughs> to the point that it had a little <laughs> ring with ropes and Dude, it was it was totally you. I mean, what would have fit better for a groom's cake than that? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a complete surprise to me. I had no idea that was happening. Oh, it was. So you had nothing to do with the planning of that. No. So uh, Farah told me like she's doing something special for my for the the groom's cake, and she's not going to tell me what it is. And I saw the cake right after the ceremony, and the videographer and the photographer took pictures of me being led in blindfolded to see it and get my reaction to it. So I guess a better question, not only my reaction, what was your reaction? Oh, I was floored. I couldn't believe because in the back of my mind, I was like, it's going to be either something wrestling related or like human centipede or some shit. So, <laughs> and so it, but I had no idea to like the detailed extent that the cake was going to be. And I was floored. I, I was in shock. I was in awe. I, I loved all of it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they went with the former decision than the latter. <laughs> well, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, Fancy Cakes by Lauren. That's who made the cake, and it was great. Yeah, well, it was a good time. So, yeah, so uh, it was good to experience that. And, again, I mean, there's so much we could talk about that we've, you know, done together and seen together over the last year and a half. But I am excited to uh, to get in and start talking about some current stuff and move forward as we get into award season. I mean, this is really a good time to kick off a show again because of all the films that are going to be coming our way, wanting to get our award attention and our vote for end of the year. And uh, with Halloween coming up and all the seasonal stuff that's coming, I think it's a good time to really kick things off. Yeah, I know. I agree. It's it's the time of year where our inbox and mailbox are inundated with uh, with screeners and come look at my movie for awards. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's my documentary, which you've never heard of before. But, uh, <laughs> right. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. All you documentarians. I love all the documentaries we've been getting. I promise. I love them. So, um, yeah, I just I just totally got blacklisted by everybody making a documentary now. Well, at least you said you enjoyed them. I'll just say I'm not that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I kid because I love. When is true life fun? We don't want to see true life on film. Right. What is all this? We need some escape from reality. Yeah, unless it's in the adult film world, you know. <laughs> and let's see, what are we, how, how far are we into the show? <laughs> Five minutes? It didn't take that long. It didn't take long at all. You know who you're talking to. <laughs> so play in the, in, if, if you ever listened in the, in the past, you, would, you should line up little shot glasses of whatever you want, alcoholic or not. And every time... Brian goes in the direction of adult entertainment or wrestling. You get a shot. It's true. <laughs> oh, so so what what are we what, what's what's on the agenda today? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot. We're gonna we're gonna get into uh, the Big Brother recap with both you, both of you and I. I love that show. The Joker's coming out this week. There's there's some high def stuff I want to talk about and get your opinion on. But I want to kick off with something that's on my radar because. Uh, this is a personal thing for me because I love this franchise from film one and was really giddy about this. In, in the world of Jurassic Park, where does that sit on, on Brian's realm of 
you know, series of franchises. Where, where's Jurassic Park in there for you? So when Jurassic Park came out in 1993, I was 12 years old, and uh, my father and I uh, went to see that movie in the theater, the old North Park cinemas when there was only two theaters, a record nine times, like opening the op- first two weeks. So Jurassic Park 1, 2, and 3 for me were always big deal with my parents or my dad and it was you know that I was growing up I was a kid and Jurassic Park was just a huge thing dinosaurs rule the world still I love it and then you know Jurassic World came out uh the last couple years and you know it's fun it's silly I get it and then the last one came out which I just I did not enjoy so I'm hoping this third one that's coming out uh yeah I'm, I'm hoping for the best because Jurassic Park of course holds a very special place not just as like a critic or somebody who's in the industry, but as just as a fan of movies and cinema, it holds a very dear place to my heart because I think Spielberg captured that, that imagination and like that world perfectly. And, you know, I, I, yes, that's where it stands with me. What about yeah, you? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, you look at it, we're almost to the point in Jurassic Park where we were in Star Wars, where you had the first three Jurassic Parks and they took this huge break. And now they're coming back with another three films in the Jurassic world realm and you can kind of go back and compare like well what's better the originals what's better the new trilogy with uh you know with with chris or do you like the old stuff so yeah but i'm 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 with you there's something very endearing about the first film i remember watching it and at the time in the early 90s we really hadn't experienced anything on that magnitude yet um with the sight and the sound and it's almost like spielberg had brought back some dinosaurs it's like he really had and so, yeah, it's been very, uh, very much on my my love radar. And, and like you said, not just as a critic, but as a film fan, I've just loved the Jurassic Park franchise. So, as as you probably know, with Jurassic World three, which is going to be released June twenty twenty one, so we've got a, another year and a half to wait for this thing. But it's all, it, but it is coming. Were you as happy as I was when you found out the original? And when I say original, I'm talking about Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler, Ian Malcolm coming back for Jurassic. I'm getting goosebumps even saying the three names right now on the show. How excited were you when you found out they were attached to this? Or does that bode not too well for a franchise to bring back iconic faces like that? No, I mean, I, you know, of course I want to see the original faces because, you know, we got Alan Grant in part three and then we recently got Malcolm for like 30 seconds in Jurassic World Lost Kingdom. I think that's what it's called, but we're not getting them fully and we haven't seen Ellie, I think, but for a second either. So to have these three come back, I'm very excited about that. Like, cause I just, I want to explore those characters more and where they went but then on the other hand, it's kind of the same filmmakers. So the last one just, it really put a sour taste in my mouth. So I'm really hoping that these actors can kind of force, I think it's Colin Trevorrow, to, you know, get back to its roots and not, uh, you know, maybe along with um, Chris Pratt. I, I, I'm 50-50 on it because on the one hand, I'm loving these actors coming back. But on the other hand, I don't want it. <laughs> want it to be like the last one so that, that's right. where i'm at with it because uh i just hope they go a different direction than they did because i, I feel like the last one was just almost a spoof like comedy like a naked gun type of movie and it just really 
Oh the, my the goodness, la- yes. Yeah, because I, granted, I didn't like the 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 latest one uh, more than a, as much as I did the the sec- the first in the Jurassic World. Uh, so Jurassic World one, I guess. Uh, how are they subtitling these? The first one with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. I yes. really like that one. I didn't mind the second one. The storyline was just eh. For me, I mean, yeah, there were some comedic moments and they had to go get these dinosaurs off the island and they all show up at this auction house. And, you know, there was some there was it was almost like it was a environmental piece of, you know, what's right and wrong about animals and who has a right to own them. And, you know, there was there were so many seemed like propaganda messages in it more than the other. But I, I don't I didn't hate it. It's definitely I, in fact, I think I liked it more than I did Jurassic Park, Two. When Malcolm takes his daughter and they get on the island and the other... Yeah, know, the, yeah, the first half of Jurassic Park 2 is great. But right after the scene where the the labs, the mobile labs fall off the cliff, it's where it yeah. goes downhill. But until then, it's good. But then you have, you know, Jeff Goldblum's daughter swinging on ropes, doing gymnastics with the raptors. And it's just, okay, we jumped the dinosaur. <laughs> Dude, and they totally, at the beginning when they set up, she's like, He's like, well, how's gymnastics? She's like, I got cut from the team, Dad. Thanks for <laughs> noticing. You're like, oh, Lord, she's going to come back. You know she's going to come back with some lame dress, lame gymnastics move on these dinosaurs. They just totally set it up for you. It's just like a softball. For sure. across home plate. For so. sure. So, But I, I, I am hopeful that – and I hope they're meaty roles, you know. I hope they're coming back for a reason like – that we we got to come back and save this because nothing's getting done with it. So to see them maybe team up with Chris Pratt would be fun if that's the route they're going. But those characters were so cool. And interestingly enough, after Jurassic Park came out uh, back in 93, uh, there was a movie called The Perfect World directed by Kevin Co- or directed by Clint Eastwood starring Kevin Costner and Laura Dern. And my dad catered the meat for that set. So I got to go on set and have lunch with Clint Eastwood and Laura Dern. And at the time, Laura Dern was dating, uh, what's his name? Jeff Goldblum. So I got to have lunch right after Jurassic Park with Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum. I have pictures of that. Sweet. Yes. That was a fun time. Yeah, for a 13-year-old, that was probably high, high, highness. <laughs> no, it was, uh, that was peak. <laughs> <laughs> that was peak. I peaked then. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, that's my Jurassic Park story. Oh, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm excited, and I'm like you. I hope that they give the characters uh, some depth. You know, I hope it's not one of those things where you know Chris Pratt and Sam O'Neill go off on one side of the island, and Laura and Jeff are on the other side, and they, you know, they just have these cross stories, and nothing really happens. You know, or the the whole thing is just Jeff, Jeff Goldblum at the beginning going, "I'm not going back to that," and you never see him again, and you know. Now, I hope they're go- if they're going if they're going to tout it with the names if they're going to promote it with the originals coming back they need to give them some depth and of course Doctor Henry Wu is back is and I think Henry Wu is the only one that's been in every single Jurassic Park so far right and yeah and you've seen him kind of slowly become like the villain <laughs> yeah and you know even at the beginning I, I don't know if he wasn't necessarily a villain but he was very naive about. Yeah, we bred raptors, and he's just got this look on his face like, so what? Like, dude, you're breeding stuff you don't even know what it is about. Right, right. And then, and then the last one we have him going, ah, where's the money? We're going to breed something bigger and brighter. So, <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if maybe he's had a little bit of a a conscience about him where he's going to come back in a total different realm, maybe. 
Yeah, I, I hope I hope that, like I said, it's not like we're bringing these back and then they're in one scene and then you don't see them again. That's what I hope yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on to, to other faces that we've seen so many times in so many iconic movies, uh, but never has it had the hype. I don't want to say never because it had it one time uh, and it lived up to it. And that is The Joker which releases this week. And we have Joaquin Phoenix taking on that iconic role of the Joker, which we haven't seen anything like this since Heath Ledger did it. Um, what's been your gut about this since we first got our first glimpse and our first little sneak trailer of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker and the direction they're going with the Joker film, kind of a his, it's almost like an origin story maybe of the Joker. Uh, how's your gut sitting with that? My gut originally, uh, when I saw it, I was like, oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, yes, all the yes, all in. And then I saw Todd Phillips as the director, and I'm like, the guy did Hangover? Wait a second. What's happening? <laughs> and then I saw the, tra- the couple trailers. I was like, oh, man, it almost looked like Martin Scorsese held his hand during this like taxi driver-esque Joker. And I was like, oh, this actually looks really good. And, you know, in the comics, they've alluded that he was a comedian at one point and i think what it shows from the trailer is that he i think he's always been this sadistic dark character and i think being around and maybe society or something like that just kind of you know gives him that little tap forward to go full on but i always i don't think that because i know there's a lot of things in the news about it and i think that People are scared that they're they're going to glorify um, the Joker, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, but it's hard in a character like this to to not glorify him, even if you try to make him look. Even if you try to suppress him, you're still going to glorify him. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but you can just tell from the the trailer that they're going to give him some sort of. I don't want to say almost more of a of a powerful stigma more than he ever had before. There's just something about him that's very I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker was was amazing. It was totally fabulous. And I loved what he brought with that. But there's something about this one that looks even more I don't want to say terrifying, but it's just I don't know. There's just something about it that I think is going to, I don't know how you're gonna to top this one. Yeah, I, I of, it looks like Joaquin's dare I say it, is more unstable than Heath Ledger's. Unstable. That's the word I'm looking for. It's okay. almost like he's unhinged. Right. Like there's something that makes me more nervous watching this one because the other one with Heath Ledger felt like a comic book character. This doesn't. This feels more like, man, this guy could be living down the street. Right, right. Because it looks like a guy who, I mean, because we don't know really Joker's origins in The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, but with Joaquin, it looks like we're actually going to see him either with family or living his day to day life. And then maybe slowly becoming the thing he was really brought on this earth to be, you know, whichever that may be, I don't know if it's going to, you know, if it's chaotic or not, but I'm, I'm very curious because it really does have a, a a much more villainous taxi uh, driver vibe to it. And I'm all for it. It also looks like it's very Scorsese-esque. So, and I just can't see that with Todd Phillips. But then again, <laughs> I'm, I'm going in open-minded. And because I think Joker is one of the coolest characters ever. And I think when people, say, I guess, glorify, I think we all like that character. I mean, we never want to meet him in real life. 
But I think on pages, because he's been in so many incarnations, I think he's just a cool character, the way he dresses, the way he talks, like his elaborate plots and plans that are always 10 moves ahead of everybody else. I just think, I'm curious to see how that starts, and hopefully with the Joker it delivers. Yeah, and what does it say about, I don't want to say necessarily society, but even as filmmakers and film goers and people who watch films like Batman, to see the progression of the Joker from the early TV show of Batman and Robin, you know, and, and having him truly be just like a cartoon character who wasn't really funny. I mean, it wasn't really scary. He was just, you know, what he was until we get to what we have now. Well, I it's think, like, yeah, I think. It's like, why, I mean, it's so dark that if, you know, if, if we had the Joker like they had back in the 60s, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but why the why the continual motion to the dark side? Well, I, I think with different filmmakers, they want to show different Jokers. So with that 60s Batman, they went kind of cartoony with it because that was the style. And then in 1989's Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, they really went like Godfather with it, very gangster-like. He was like the head of a crime organization, like, like a, an old-school gangster. And then with Dark Knight... Uh, you had Heath Ledger as basically the crazy anarchist. Like he is really just wants to see the world burn. And then with Jared Leto, oh my goodness, he's just, he's a completely different entity altogether, um, like psychotic. And then here with uh, Joaquin, I don't know if this is going to be the most, since we're going to see him before everything if he might be the most relatable, but I don't like to say that because I don't know where it's going, you know? I, that's, right. So, yeah. but I, I, think, I, just, I, yeah. I guess just the jump from Cesar Romero in 1966 to Joaquin Phoenix in 2019, there's just, man, the, the evolution of that character has, I don't know if it's a mirror of our society, you know, and, and where we've gone um, just as, is a world. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of, and that's deep. I know that's deep to go with a character. No, but, but you know. DC's also gotten darker too over the years with, you know, people moving away with different types of taste into darker territory and more adult like situations rather than, you know, Holy long John Silver's Batman is the Joker. You know, right, I think, right. I think it plays better to modern day audiences. And I think, you know, pretty much everywhere went into that, you know, Star Trek into darkness, you know, that's kind of like the theme over the last few years. Right. Interesting. And, you know, you bring up a good point because we did get to see Jared Leto as the Joker in Suicide Squad because we haven't seen him outside of that realm, right? That's the only place we've seen him. I believe so. He might've been in one other movie, but I think that's like the, the only one that we've seen him in is that one. Yeah. Would you have not wanted to see Jared Leto in the new Joker movie? Since we just got a little taste of that. I wonder if, if Jared Leto would have been as, I mean, because I'm excited to see Joaquin do it, but I just wonder if we would have had Leto in there. It, it looks like very. That would have worked very well here in this movie. Uh, from yeah, what yeah, I, I lost you for like, like, I lost you for like 15 seconds. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I was saying that, uh, I think that Jared Leto's Joker is perfect for Zack Snyder. I think he 
Zack Snyder made a movie that's his version of the Joker with the grill on his teeth, the uh, the tattoos everywhere, the psychotic. I don't think that is Joaquin's or Todd Phillips' Joker. I think they're telling a very different story. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. And I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm excited to see it. Um, I hope it goes the direction that I, I want it to go. I don't care about everybody else. I uh, hope it does what I want it to do. But uh, I, I'm seeing it. At the time of this recording, we haven't seen it yet. We'll see it uh, an a little bit later in the week uh, before it releases. So check out our reviews on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see excited and trepidatious a little bit. What do you think about the hype with the, some theater saying, okay, you know, you can't come in mass. You can't come dressed up, which in this day and age, regardless of the film, that's smart. That's a smart move. I mean, just our crazy world we live in, you want everybody to be safe. So I think well, that's a smart move, but it seems like with this movie, it's super hyped, obviously because of the tragedy with the dark Knight. Yes. released yeah the dark knight rises when that yeah. happened in colorado so i think with this happening in like kind of like the subject material even though i don't think any movie or video game uh convinces people to go on killing sprees at all i just think that you know kind of like a 9-11 thing all 9-11 securities heightened i think since like the last big batman film joker or whatever this tragedy happened i think they're kind of stepping it up too and uh you know, I've had people talk to me like I think something's going to happen. I'm like, you know, you know, hope not, you know, but <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, we hope against hope that nothing like this ever happens. I mean, there, but there's just crazy people in the world. I mean, it's just we want our kids to be safe. We want our friends and family to be safe. We want to be safe ourselves. Um, you know, so if you if you have to take extra measures, even if there's just a, a inkling of a possibility, you have to do that. Um, I know I was talking to some friends of mine on the street. Uh, on a street we live on just last night and you know they were some of them were excited about seeing it and some saying they weren't going to go to the theater it wasn't worth it to them to risk it there was just something they just felt you know it wasn't worth it um now whether that all dies down after opening weekend once we get into week two and week three you know it's probably going to be as a little bit more lax but uh but i can see some you know, it'd be interesting to see the ticket sales and how it looks after this next opening weekend. Uh, but I know people are being very cautious. And to them in this day and age, it's like, you know what? I'll wait for it to come out. I'm not in that much of a hurry to see a film that I would ever even remotely risk this, right. you know? Yeah. So that makes sense. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, talking about the box office, obviously Joker is probably going to rule the box office next week. But uh, this weekend, the one we just got through, uh, belonged to um, Abominable, the <laughs> animated film, came in number one with $20.9 million. Uh, you couldn't take a farther trajectory than to, from the Joker than uh, Abominable. Uh, but I was glad to see that at number one. Downton Abbey, the movie, still in at number two. Were you a Downton Abbey fan when it was on, the series was running on PBS? Huge. Huge. Downton Abbey fan, watched the series, went to that press screening, loved it, brilliant. I know, wasn't it so, I just loved, because they did it exactly what they needed to, and it, yes, it could have just been another, you know, they could have done it as a, as a holiday special on, on PBS, they could have just not even released it in theaters, I'm glad they did, but it was just so iconic and just fun to see the characters again, and they did yeah, exactly they, what they needed to do. Right, and they gave them all like endings and i i'm glad i saw it in the theater because the cinematography of the of downton abbey was like great on the big screen uh like the sweeping shots of the castle and stuff like that it like this looked beautiful and yeah. so i i really loved it 
Yeah, so I'm excited to see it. At, uh, it's second week out. It's still at number two. Uh, it's brought in, a, you know, $58 million total. Uh, Hustlers in at number three, which, you know, I enjoyed more than I thought I would, I'm going to admit. Uh, J-Lo's performance in the Hustlers really pushed that through. Uh, it Chapter two, after four weeks, still in at number four. Um, I know we have, there's so many movies we haven't talked about, obviously, because we haven't done a show. But just in two or three words, did you like it, Chapter two? Do you think it lived up as a sequel? I gave it like a two out of five or a three out of ten. So, so in other words, not not the uh, the glamorous. That movie movie. had no business being three hours long. Oh well, yes. Well, Lord, no movie has business being three hours long. But yes, they could have done some editing on that one. But I just didn't. Maybe because the first it movie was so you didn't know what to expect. I, I just I just walked away feeling different with it. Chapter two. I didn't hate it, but eh. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like hate it, but there's a. I don't. I don't see myself watching that ever again. No, there's no need to. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Ad, Ad Astra, the Brad Pitt uh, sci-fi films in there. Two weeks in, edging out Rambo: Last Blood. Which uh, did you see Rambo: Last Blood? No, I'm pissed. They didn't screen it. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to see it because I liked the last one. Man, you know what? I, I had forgotten. I said this in my review. I had forgotten how different Rambo and Rocky are. <laughs> Even though they, 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 have, they have similarities in, in, in how they look at life and their, right. their love and devotion to people and family and the heart. But when it comes down to revenge, Rambo and Rocky are two totally different dudes. Yes, man. they are. I think Rocky would rather not fight. And Rambo, I think, would like, you know, head first. Like, yep, I'm doing it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Rocky's like, you know, let's sit down and talk about this. And Rambo's like, hey, here, here I just cut out your liver with a knife. You want to look at it? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I want to see it so badly. Oh, uh, it's good. You got you to see it. Yeah, so it's in there. And then uh, Judy just released at week number one. But it sneaked in there a little bit down at the bottom of three million. Uh, with Renee Zellweger being Judy Garland, so um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how the box office kind of lines out after after this weekend. But uh, you know, there's there's some decent stuff as we head into fall uh, on the box office. So, but yeah, you got to check out Rambo: Last Blood. I'm, I mean, that's that's something I got to get Brian's opinion on. Can't wait to see it. Yep, yep. Uh, well, you know, let's switch gears a little bit and um, move into the the area of television. You know, I don't know why you and I the last couple of times haven't done an, a one-off uh, Big Brother podcast every week. As much as you and I both love Big Brother, we should do just a Big Brother podcast. I, I know, right? Because I'll, I'll stop you right there because, damn it, I hate Big Brother, but I hate that I actually love Big Brother. Like, I don't like admitting it, but all the last, like, three seasons I got sucked into it, and I don't like reality TV, but... Dang it, I like Big Brother, and I hate admitting it. I, I love to hate, and I hate to love Big Brother. And I watch every episode, and I even watch the live feeds. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because my wife, Kimberly, is the same way. Because I, I didn't really get into Big Brother until, like you said, three seasons ago. But she used to watch it all the time. I mean, she would watch the live feeds, the late night feeds, everything about it, and then didn't watch it for a long time. And then I was like, hey, I think I want to watch Big Brother. And she's like, no. She's like, we are not getting sucked into Big Brother. She's like, it's the biggest time suck. I hate that show. And so, of course, she's been watching it with me. <laughs> Every time we watch it, she's like, she's like, I hate you. I hate. Why are we watching this? Like, I'll never get this time back. I hate this show. But we still watch every single episode up until the end. Even when nobody we wanted to see win was probably going to win, uh, we were like, I'm like, I'm not going to watch it again. And of course, we just went back and watched every single episode. 
So, what, so what, was, what, what did you think about this one? Because you and I both uh, really liked Brett in, the, in two seasons ago. Um, who's your favorite in this Big Brother run that we just completed last week as they crowned uh, Mickey as the winner? Was, it, was there somebody in this that you really, really loved? I like I liked Mickey and uh, Nicole. Mickey and Nicole were my favorites. You actually liked Mickey. I-, I loved Mickey, and I'll tell you why I loved Mickey. I don't know if you and I can do a show again. This is oh, all- my- maybe this is why we haven't done a show for so long. <laughs> now, now it's all coming back to me. It's all coming back because he because Matt knows I'm right. He just doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> no, uh, Mickey. So. Mickey from the first day, I, I just kind of like liked the guy. And then as the show progressed, not only did he show like a strong uh, physical game, but he showed a strong mental game. And that dude, no matter what, was loyal to everyone he made a deal with, but they all turned on him. So he had to do what he had to do to win 500 grand because it's a game. You're, but... you're totally, you're, you're just messing with me right now. No, I am not. That, did you did watch you... the same Big Brother I watched? Yeah, he was loyal to everyone. He was loyal to nobody. He was the most conniving, backstabbing. No, he wasn't. Say what I have Only to say. Way... No, he did that because they were going to go back on their deal. That's what. That's why he did it. Oh my God. <laughs> He was he was going to be loyal with Jack, but Jack turned on him. And he turned on Jack. He made up all this stuff. He would say these things and then manipulate people, and they would. And then he would play the he would play the wounded guy, like, oh well, everybody's always just against me. No oh, way. So no, he was loyal to everybody. He was. Loyal he wasn't. He was the biggest backstabbing, <laughs> non-loyal douche. Did you, that's did been you watch the brother. show? I loved Mickey. I'm so glad he won. <laughs> You're I, I, I mean, I would have liked to see Cliff or Nicole win for sure uh, you know, over Mickey, but I'm glad Mickey won. Like, I think Mickey deserved it, and he played the best game. He really did. Now, I will give him gameplay, but it's the same reason I don't like Survivor when people win. It's like, okay, they, they had great gameplay, but as but how they played the game was was not. I don't I – don't, I, think, I think all the rumors and stuff you're hearing about – Mickey, everybody was just like, "Wow." Well, but but when you but you when you go back and so Mickey told Jack his secret about people knowing each other, and then Jack like said it to everybody because he thought uh, Mickey knew everybody, and I know they all lived in L.A. at the time, but he blew up his game. But he was loyal to Jack, and until Jack did that, Mickey had to do what he had to do, and it's the same thing he did with Tommy because Cliff and Nicole were thinking about getting Holly out and they had a final four deal. So Mickey literally had to do the gut punch. And then when I watched, you know, on the live feeds, Mickey's like crying to Holly. Like, you know, I did not want to do that to Tommy. I like, I love him. And, but he had to keep in the game and he had to keep her because Holly was the only one that was ever loyal to Mickey. And And he manipulated her so much. Every time she'd want to play her own game, Mickey would manipulate her and he would twist her around. I'm, I'm sure that now she's looking back on that going, why, why did I was just his puppet this whole time? She got and, the final two and that's all that is. And, and I wish she would have won final two. I, if I was on that jury, I would have voted for her. I would, I would have voted for Mickey for sure. She, I would not have voted for Holly. I would have voted for Cliff or Nicole over Mickey, but uh, I, I, between Holly and Mickey, I would have voted for Mickey. And the one thing they did on CBS on the finale, which I hated, and I want to write an angry letter to them, I cannot believe that after everybody everybody voted, 
they went to the housemates and talked about how Mickey was sexist and racist. <laughs> and I thought that was horrible. I can't believe they did that on live TV. And I right think they did it on live TV because they wanted to do a couple things. They wanted to shine the light on this is not how you conduct yourself, no matter what kind of reality show you're on. And to, I think, call out what was a possibility. I mean, okay, let's, let's just, I don't know if he is or not. I, I don't, I haven't sat down with him. I, I, this is one thing I never want to judge a person on, but let's say you're 100% not a racist and you're 100% not a sexist. Then you should be self-aware enough to know that in the very first day of big brother, you don't put a spotlight on three of the four minorities in the cast and, and, and to get them out. You don't do it. Even, no, even, I, if, if, I, even with his reasoning, like, well, they're the ones that were, were raising their hand. You've got to be self-aware enough to know, dude, this, how is this going to look? No, I, I, I thought about that as the episodes went on. I was like, dude, they literally just got out all the minorities in the house. How weird is that? But I mean, I think, uh, oh, what's his name? Was his name David? Uh, the yeah, first David. guy to get out. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to go all the way because I liked Dude, him. I hope and, they bring him back because he could have played a – he would have been an amazing player. Yes, I agree. Brother. So I it, – but it was interesting how that how that worked out. But, you know, even watching some of the live feeds in the show, I didn't see an ounce of racism or sexism with Mickey or Jack, you know, well, at I sure all. Did. I, I didn't really with Jack. I know they called him out at the, on the on the finale – I didn't get that with with Jack. Uh, I think Jack sometimes was just a little naive and just sort of oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. You but know, I, I just didn't like how they did that right before the thing, and it kind of like it was like a bummer to watch. And then they like announced, and then Mickey just was not happy about it. <laughs> you know, and, and I guess this is horrible on my part, but I'm kind of glad they did because I wanted because uh, I knew he I had just had this feeling he was going to win, but I wanted people to see that. You know what? It's always not about just winning. It's how you conduct yourself. And, you know, again, I never sat down with Mickey. I hadn't, I didn't live 94 days in a house with him. So I'm only going by what, I, what television allows me to see. Right. But there's just certain vibes you get from people um, of how, what they say and how they act that, dude, I, I think I just don't know. I think he's going to either hopefully regret that or he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, his whole life uh, he's just – whether he knows it or not, he's used and manipulated and bullied his way through things uh, to come out on top, not really realizing what's in the wake. I could be wrong. I'm just, you know, that's why I wanted Cat to win the whole time. Cat, oh, I, well, Cat was an <laughs> Cat was an idiot, but Cat was super fun. Like, I feel like I could be friends with her because she's just like she's a good sport about everything for the most part. And she was just funny as hell to watch. Like she, she lives, she like, lives in your neighborhood, you know, she's, she's, she's a Dallas Irving girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she seemed like, like I liked having her on. And I was sad to see her get voted off, but I know why she got voted off. So yeah, I, I do too. I was just, I knew she wouldn't make it, but she was so much fun to watch. I loved her attitude. I just loved just, she was just so funny. Like I want to see, and you know, she always made jokes about wanting to hook up with Brett yeah season before dude those two together at a party i want to go to a party with her and brett let's plan a party let's play a party let's just do it but uh, yeah i'm glad nicole won uh, audience favorite uh, i love nicole yeah i like her. she made some really dumb decisions toward the end she again mickey manipulated her she should have got mickey and holly on the thing she just she was blinded in the mickey lights like a lot of people were and 
I think she's going to regret a couple of moves. That's uh, all good. High five to Cliff being the old dude, man. Dude, he like, made it. But Cliff, like, tailspinned, crashed right into that mountain, like, at the it, end. So I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then he turned around and voted for Mickey anyway. But, you know, it, it's funny, though, that Cliff was, you know, on the verge of being out week two. But yeah. uh, won that challenge and played well, a great good. game. So That was great. Yeah, so uh, so well, next well, next season you'll uh, have to do a, a weekly podcast. Just we, we, about Big we should we should do a weekly podcast, and you and I should try out for Big Brother. Well, you know, I was going to say if if and I really before we when I was running through the the notes for today's show, I was like, you know, I'm going to ask Brian. Maybe not now because you're married. Ninety two days is a long time to be away from family. Why, when you were single, did you never do Big Brother? Because if anybody would have a great social game. And be able to go for I think you would be great on a show like Big Brother. Did you ever think about trying out in the past? No, because I hate reality shows. I don't. I never gave it a thought to try out for any of it. Uh, however, now I would absolutely. I like I because I've talked with Fair about. It. I was like, you, you and I should like try out and like just be secrets that we don't know each other or something like that. Like uh, Tommy and Christy were. And I just think that would be super fun. And I have no idea how I would play it, but I think I would. I would have so much fun, you know, screwing with people, you know, like trolling them and having fun with it. I, oh, my goodness. Ugh. Yeah. And, and you're one of these people where, where I am not. I think I'm too introverted. I don't know how well I would do um, in that in that arena. But you, you have this ability to I don't think you've ever known a stranger. I don't think you've ever been every, everywhere we go. Like if we're out and about screenings or whatever, it's like, you know, everybody and everybody has great. Everybody's like, oh, everybody. What's up? You know, I think you would have an amazing social game. Challenges, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, I think there's only like two challenges I could do, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that would be fun. So may- maybe in some sense of the future, I might try out send a video to them. <laughs> Dude, you, you totally have to, man. You totally have to. That would be awesome. That would just be that'd be awesome TV for sure. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I'll say right now, I'll, I'll, if they have another season of Big Brother, I'm not going to watch it. But you and I both know we'll both watch it. True. So we'll hate it the whole time. Yes. So, uh, you know, and and just as a recap, I put this on the on the rundown um, as we you know we've talking some lighter stuff other than the Joker and, and the TV and stuff. But uh, when I'm working at home a lot, I'll just keep on Game Show Network. I don't know why. I just do sometimes as background noise. What do you think is? What do you give into the longevity of game show genre? Even the fact that they're bringing back the classics with Celebrity Family Feud and, you know, they're bringing back Match Game with Alec Baldwin hosting and, you know, Pyramid and all of these shows that are coming back. I mean, what is it about? Because you don't like reality TV, so maybe this is a good question for you. What do you think has made game shows have the longevity they have? Because it's lighthearted fun. It's always fun to see people either lose or win big on TV and even if it's like trivia or doing like an obstacle I think there's like something like you can see yourself doing and you can play along uh, and I think adding all these new show or these new th- um, game shows mostly with uh, famous comedians as the hosts I think draws in a lot like it's more personable it's funny and I think there's like a nostalgic bit that like, you know, you feel at home, you feel warm and cozy when you're watching Wheel of Fortune still or watching Family Feud or Jeopardy. You know, I think there's just something like wholesome about it. And again, you could see somebody completely screw the pooch and lose it. And you're like, how did they lose it? Or somebody <laughs> win really big. You're like, yes, they won. I think there's like that aspect of it. And that's why I think 
people still love it. Yeah, and, I think I think you're right. And there's all different levels. We, I watch a lot. The only one we really watch uh, religiously is we'll watch Jeopardy. My wife and I are huge Jeopardy fans. But then, I'll, you know, I'll have the other ones on during the day. But it's funny to me because you go from the realm of Jeopardy of, you know, this country has the longest northern continent border in South Africa. And it's like, what, what is that? And then you have other game shows. It's like, all right, ring in first. What is the number between one and three? You know, it's like, <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> the difference in questioning between some of these is just it, it just cracks me up. But um, but you're right. People get excited to be on them. And it's for some reason, it's exciting to watch them. And uh, it's just it's just crazy. So you know, it's it, it's fun to watch for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to get your opinion because because it, it was it was one of those things I was thinking about the other day. It's like I I grew up watching game shows. As you know, my mom. It was just me and her growing up when I was a little kid, and we would eat dinner and watch the newlywed game or match game. You know, and it's like it's just. And now here I am watching you know eating dinner, watching game shows sometimes with the family, and it's like that's just been the one mainstay. And probably families are like that, you know. So. It's just crazy. I like it. I like it too. I like it too. Well, any uh, any closing thoughts? Let's talk real quick about DVD uh, releases coming out. Uh, as, as we're recording this, this week being September 30th, Spider-Man Far From Home is the big one. Uh, have you seen it on glorious 4K yet? Yeah, I reviewed it on 4K. Uh, it's on highdefdigest.com. My review's on there. And uh, did not like the movie, but the uh, 4K video and the Dolby Atmos audio, the 4K video uh, in HDR Dolby Vision is excellent. It looks amazing. Uh, it's the, definitely the way to go. And in most Disney releases and Marvel releases, the audio, the Dolby Atmos tracks on them, you kind of have to adjust your volume up a bit for it normal volume and I have no idea why that's happening in all the Disney movies but that's kind of the same here so the Dolby Atmos track while it's pretty decent it's not where it should be but the bonus features are all you know fun and ridiculous and uh, a blast to watch nothing really informative but fun to watch so I would say that the Spider-Man Far From Home 4K is just a recommended not highly recommended but recommended but the one you should get uh, in 4K coming out, The Shining, uh, Jazz, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining in 4K, unbelievably good. Is it because I saw that it was releasing in 4K? In fact, I saw a review for it out on High Def Digest, uh, which is a site you guys should all check out. You can see a bunch of Brian stuff and some of the people who are like doing stuff with all the all the high def gear uh, and and releases that are out there. So I was wondering how it would look because obviously they had to upscale it or do whatever they do to you know because it wasn't shot in 4K, but it, it does look good. It looks excellent. The sound is not so much, uh, the audio is not so much a great thing, but the video in 4K, yes, this is the way to watch The Shining. Yes. Yeah. And I um, noticed they just, and they released it, was it one night only they re-released The Shining in theaters? I know you could go watch it on the big screen right, a couple yes, nights ago. Could. Yes, that is, that, is, that is correct. Yeah, this is the season for the movies like The Shining, and there's just something iconic about Kubrick's version of it that I just love, so I have to check out the 4K version. Yeah, I liked it. And I'm trying to think of anything else that's coming out or that's be releasing. I know uh, Peanut Butter Falcon is coming very soon to Blu-ray, which I can't wait to see again because I love that movie. Um, oh, Yesterday come out on 4K, you know, with pretty good. Oh, Midsommar, Blu-ray. Looks great. Um, if you want the director's cut, which is an extra half hour, <laughs> um, feel free to buy that on iTunes. You'll get the director's cut exclusively there. So you can only get the director's cut if you buy it through iTunes? 
Correct. So I've got the Blu-ray and it does not come with a digital, I mean, it comes with a digital code, but it does not have the director's cut on there. You have to buy it specifically through iTunes, which pisses me off, but it's worth mm. it because the director's cut is the one they should have released because it go it shows a lot more. But in the, and on the digital code, they don't give you the iTunes digital code. No, it's like exclusivity. They should have yeah. done the i the because you know how some codes are for you know voodoo. Some are for movies anywhere. Some are very few from iTunes only. Right. You can link them all together. So it seemed like they should have given you the one that had all the exclusive stuff. I wish. I wish it didn't happen. I'm bitter. <laughs> well, now I'm bitter too. So I'm bitter. I'm not even going to watch it. Dang it, yeah, iTunes. don't watch it. Screw them. <laughs> yeah, because I, I can't even tell anymore because, like I said, everything's linked together for me. So, you know, if I go into Voodoo, I still see all my iTunes movies that I've Yeah, so, like, Movies Anywhere has made that possible. But there's, like, like A24's only or Lionsgate's almost always releasing strictly to Voodoo or Fandango, and it sucks. Yeah. So um, that's where it is. Yeah. So I'm good either way because, like I said, I think Voodoo is the main one. I, I think I have everything – funnel down into voodoo for me there you go so you so sound like you're more of a funneling what do you funnel down to what do you usually go to i mean so movies anywhere but like i have an apple tv so itunes is pretty quick but anything on movies anywhere uh is on itunes so everything's on i usually go to itunes uh right now because that's in 4k and so in in voodoo's in 4k so i usually tend to do that as well for streaming reviews uh, as well as like Netflix stuff is in 4K. So High Def Digest has gotten heavy into 4K streaming reviews. So been doing a lot of that. Sweet. It's a good gig to have, man. It's fun, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I, we're going to get into it this week. But next week I want to talk about, as we get into the digital stuff, have you reviewed the Samsung Frame TVs yet? So I haven't reviewed the Frame TVs, but I know all about them. And I can talk to you all about them. For yeah, sure. so next so next week I want to get into that a little bit um, because that's I want that to be our, our digital focus because uh, for personal reasons, obviously. <laughs> I don't bring up anything unless it's for personal reasons. Yes. So, uh, so all right, any closing thoughts, man? I, I'll say personally for me, it's been great to have, to get back and get on the show again and get, get the rolling, get the, get the mental juices flowing. And I was a little worried that maybe we had synced up too much and then we got into the Big Brother segment and I remember why I loved you so much. I know, right? Well, I love you, Matt. I'm, I'm glad we're we're back together again. Our our, our love affair is ongoing. I know. And I'm just yeah. happy to be back. Uh, final thoughts. I just yeah. Again, echo you. And then I want to say that you know, even though who uh, those are out there listening, sometimes you might think I'm all into the human centipede salo horror stuff. But if you go to boomstickcomics.com, you'll find an excellent, fun article that I wrote that are the saddest moments in television. And I, there's clips and analysis of them and why they're the saddest moments in television. You'll be sure to bring your tissues, uh, not for masturbation purposes, but just for crying. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, give that a read. I put a lot of thought into it. It took a couple of weeks to write, but I'm sure you will be crying and sobbing uh, throughout that uh, article. But it was a fun one to write, but I have another article coming out very soon that's you know on in the same vein so we'll, we'll we'll talk about that soon sweet and all that is at boomstickcomics.com and of course for all the high def stuff you can find brian's reviews at highdefdigest.com which uh, i go out there quite a bit as well so uh that does it for this show again good to be back we'll be back next week to talk about the joker how it did at the box office plus some more stuff right here on the entertainment answer see you next week <laughs>